0: Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details.
1: Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. I drive, center field, the wall! This is magnificent. Got a fantasy question? Email baseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy
0: becomes
1: reality. Now here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam.
0: Prospects, prospects. We all love prospects. Welcome into Fantasy Baseball today on Thursday, January 6th. I am Frank Stample, and you guessed it. We're talking about... Not prospects, obviously. Yes, we're talking about prospects. The biggest impact (laughs) prospects for 2022 redraft leagues. We did this earlier in the offseason with our good buddy, The Welsh. But we have Scott's top 100 prospects on the horizon. And he's put a lot of hard work into it. Speaking of which, hello, Scotty. How are you doing? Hello. Hello. I'm
1: fine. I'm still putting hard work into it. I have written up 21 of the 100 prospects as of now, which is... Not as far along as I'd like to be, <laughs> if I'm being perfectly honest. I hope to be through 50 by the time I'm done working today, which is yesterday, to those listening. So, uh, yeah, still a long way to go. Still a lot to write about. Now, I have written about all but two of these prospects already in just in the offseason because I, I came out with my position by position prospect rankings. But, you know, got, got to vary the content a little. Can't just... Can't just paste those little blurbs over. Unfortunately, yeah. And be nice for, if I could.
0: <laughs> for I was going to ask: uh, the further you go into the top 100, do you just write less and less? Like by the time we get to I don't know number 100 on the list, is it just like a a word? Like yay? No,
1: no, <laughs> no. Actually, actually, that it tends to be just the opposite. I I, I find there's there's more parsing. Uh, not parsing—that's not the right word. But there's there's more. There there's actually more to say about the lesser-known prospects, the ones toward the the back end of the top 100. So I there's a tendency to write more, but I I try to keep it between 50 and 60 words for all of them because you know when you have a hundred of them that you're talking thousands of words. Yeah. At that point, uh, so you know, it it it, it it's an interesting phenomenon that i'm sure many writers can relate to though where if i if i just if i didn't put a word limit on myself and everything was like 100 120 words or something just because i I just wrote until to until i came to a natural stopping point that might actually go faster than having to condense (laughs) what i want to say into 50 to 60 words you know because i have to pick and choose i have to I have to choose my syntax so carefully, right, and I have to like exclude things that I really want to say, but it's just like, well, it would take too many more words to say that <laughs> so so yeah that's uh that is the plight of the writer right th- right there, particularly like a journalistic type writer,
0: all right, well, I have picked out the ten highest ranked prospects on Scott's top one hundred that are. He puts them into different categories. All 10 of these are either fighting this spring for a job with their respective team, or in the case of just one of them, they've already been written in. They're already on the team, or at least we hope they are. Uh, so, yeah, these are names that you should be able to target this year that will actually make an impact. And, Scott, speaking of this year, and, you know, there's a lot of talk in the prospect community and the fantasy community in general about. What, do you, what should you weigh when it comes to prospects? So I'll turn this back over to you. Obviously, you're ranking all these prospects. How do you, what goes into choosing you know, one name over another? Is it proximity? Is it long-term impact? Are these rankings maybe more so just for this season? I'm sure it's like all of those things, but maybe what do you put weight on the most?
1: It's all of those things. Yeah. Yes, I could just answer yes to your question. And uh, I mean, there's, there's not like a, it's more art than science. There's not a precise formula to follow, obviously. Right. Uh, But it's still worth saying. I would say I, I probably favor proximity more than the average prospect list. Certainly if you're talking about just like a general baseball prospect list versus a fantasy prospect list. But I think even, among people who rank prospects for fantasy, I, I, I probably favor proximity a little more, uh, but that's become less true over time, I think. And um, it's it's more of a dynasty-focused list than anything. So overall impact is still is, is probably the greatest factor, since in dynasty leagues you're 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 obviously long-term focused. But my own approach to dynasty league tend t- tends to favor the uh, the guys who are going to make the more immediate impact because I, I like I don't like to sink years into a prospect and have him not pan out, right I want to know sooner than later if he's going to be an asset for me. And, and so obviously if you're if you're stockpiling your system with a bunch of eighteen year olds, uh, you're not going to find out for a long time whether those those investments are going to pay off. There's always there's always new prospects to draft every year. There's always new prospects to pick up. So I don't want to, I don't want to sink a lot of time into what turns out to be a lost cause.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And just specifically this past year, I mean, it happens every season, but we saw so many prospects jump up from one year to the next. Anthony Volpe comes to mind. Um, look, I'm sure that there is a bunch like Shane Boz, for example, right? Like he was nobody's top. He, no one's top-pitching prospect this time last year or even two years ago. But all of a sudden, look at what he does this season in the minors and then couple that yeah. with what we saw towards the end of the season. And it just happens year over year. There are a lot of prospects that, you know, obviously Shane Boz was on prospect list. It's not like he came out of nowhere, but there's right. prospects. There's like elevate.
1: 80-something on my list last year. Exactly,
0: yeah. You know? So you'll be able to either, you know, in some cases, pick these guys up in your dynasty league throughout the course of the season or maybe if you notice something early in the season that you like, you could try and trade for that prospect. So keep that in mind. I think that's a really, really strong point there, Scott. There's always more prospects and especially there's always more prospects coming uh, and just getting better, uh, progressing throughout the course of the season. So let's talk about some of these impact prospects here for 2022 and your number one prospect, who I was a little bit surprised to see that you believe will be fighting for a job this spring is Julio Rodriguez, outfielder for the Seattle Mariners, just turned 21 years old in December, and this past season he hit 347, 13 home runs, 21 steals, and OPS just over 1,000. That was between high high A and double A. He played 46 games at double A, so there could be an argument that he needs some seasoning at triple A, but does he really? I don't know. The plate discipline is also really good uh, already. 66 strikeouts to 43 walks he hits a lot of line drives but also a lot of ground balls scotty let me know why are you <laughs> why do you think Leo rodriguez actually has this opportunity to make it coming out of spring training
1: well i'll first point out that fighting this spring that designation for these prospects in some cases it's fighting this spring and probably will win a job but in in many cases it's I'm giving him a chance of winning the job this spring, but I don't think it's that likely. And and Rodriguez, of course, would be more the latter. He is the caliber of prospect who sometimes makes that dramatic of a jump, skips a level or two, because he shows up to spring training and the team realizes, this guy can help us right now. And the Mariners are are, are maybe the ideal team to make that decision because they, they just missed the playoffs last year. They've already been working, they've already done things to upgrade their roster this offseason. Significant things, signing the, the AL Cy Young winner, Robbie Ray, right? They, they clearly have an eye on contention in 2022 after coming so close in 2021. And they have room in their lineup for Julio Rodriguez. Uh, left field, according to a roster resource, they have Jake Fraley slotted in right now. And that's not to say Fraley will automatically get that job, but the point is there isn't an obvious choice to to uh, to fill out every lineup spot there. So Julio Rodriguez in his in, in the time he spent at double A 46 games, not a small amount of time, he hit 362 at A, you know? And and he's he's been hyped since he was 17 years old. Nothing seems to be slowing him down. It's kind of a long shot. Uh, the, that it, it's a long shot that he makes the team out of spring training, but I do think it's possible. And even if he doesn't, I, I do think it's very likely he's up at some point in the first third of the season.
0: I really need to stop doing this because it's totally unfair. And what we're going to do for each of these prospects is we're going to provide a, a player comp. I texted you, Scott. I hope you got the text and... If you didn't get in, if you don't have player comps for each of these, I came up with player comps. So if you don't have them, then you could either say you agree, disagree, and then we could talk it out. But either way, last year I compared Wander Franco to a lesser Juan Soto. It's not fair to compare anyone to Juan Soto. The guy is completely ridiculous. He's on a Hall of Fame track, assuming he doesn't get hurt throughout his career. We hope that doesn't happen because he's been amazing thus far. But I see a little bit of the, the same things that Julio Rodriguez has done in the minors to what Juan Soto did in the minors. And I think the situation in particular as well. Juan Soto back in 2018, he only played eight games at AA before he was called up by the Washington Nationals. And he was only 20 years old at the time. So Julio Rodriguez is already 21. He just turned 21 mm-hmm. in December. So, you know, he's mm-hmm. he's freshly 21. He can He can enjoy an alcoholic beverage if he likes. But... Yeah, I, I think that there's a lot of similarities there uh, that you laid out regarding the... the. I was about to say Seahawks. It is no longer football season. <laughs> uh, regarding the Mariners, I think that they are ready to compete, uh, and, and he obviously can help them do that. So the actual player comp that I came up with is not Juan Soto. I okay. like the situation. I compared them. But actually, I like Kyle Tucker. I like Kyle Tucker from the right side. Kyle Tucker walks quite a bit. Uh, maybe he has more power than Julio Rodriguez, though I don't want to cap the power. I mean, there's no. a lot of power in that bat as well. Uh, yeah. But, you know, it was like 14 steals this past year for Kyle Tucker. I think Julio Rodriguez maybe can run even more than that. But that was like a, a high-end comp that I came up with for Julio Rodriguez. Kyle Tucker, what do you think, Scotty?
1: I think Julio Rodriguez has a better career than Kyle Tucker. Okay. Which, you know, Kyle Tucker's obviously established as a high-level player in the majors already. So it's, it's a bold statement to some degree but julio rodriguez is my number one prospect something kyle tucker never was and i i think he's this kind of generational talent who you know kind of from the time he arrives in the majors you're expecting a hall of fame track unfair though it may be uh that's that's kind of what you're thinking for julio rodriguez so you know i i think if you're i I don't think it's a bad comparison necessarily but I, I kind of want to aim even higher. I'm just struggling to think of a modern player who fits that description because I don't I don't think he's going to strike out as infrequently as like a Vladimir Guerrero but maybe his five by five numbers can look like that potentially even with some stolen bases since he's done a fair amount of that in the minors. I mean, it's it's super lazy because it's A, <laughs> a the same organization, the Mariners, and B, the same last name, Rodriguez, <laughs> but I'm kind of thinking A-Rod. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> yeah. All right. Like, you know, obviously more likely than not to fall short of that, but I, I think he can be that kind of transcendent talent julio rodriguez can potentially
0: all right so yeah potential superstar here in julio rodriguez number two your number two prospect and number two on this list is someone we've talked about quite a bit and i think we're going to talk about him even more throughout the course of the offseason and that is bobby witt shortstop with the kansas city royals he is 21 years old will turn 22 in june and this past season He hit 290, 33 homers, 29 steals, power, speed, 936 OPS between AA and AAA, uh, played 62 games at AAA. He is all but ready to play with the Royals, join them, uh, could be right out of spring training. We got to see what happens. Obviously, with this new CBA and how they're going to treat prospects, if there's going to be... Any type of manipulation moving forward, obviously that's that's one of the the core issues and things that they want to figure out uh, with the CBA. Not perfect play discipline, Scott, but not bad either. You know, nine percent walk rate, lowered his strikeout rate to twenty two and a half percent at AAA. Lots of line drives, lots of fly balls. I wonder, maybe does Casey sap some of that power of Bobby Witt? I remember watching a an at bat of his in spring training last year against Julio Rios and he he looked ready. He looked ready then. It was, I think, a 12 or 13 pitch at bat. I forget how it ended, but the fact that he was battling off pitch after pitch, he was taking balls, it went to a full count. I was super impressed then. Uh, and obviously, given what he did this past season, I'm even more impressed now.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, me too. Uh, I, I, It was, it was kind of everything we could have hoped for, what Bobby Witt did, and 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 what was his first full minor league season? His first taste of the upper minors, really. Uh, obviously, the lost 2020 season meant some development happened behind the scenes, and so we we weren't able to see this progression that may have been going on. But this was about as good as anyone could have hoped for. If if the Royals were in the the playoff hunt, I imagine we would have seen Witt in the majors already they very nearly gave him a job last spring if reports are to be believed and i think more likely than rodriguez i might say a 40-60 chance with is in the royals starting lineup on opening day and if not then then before the end of april i mean we can't we don't know exactly what the new uh, labor deal is going to look like and to what extent it'll, it will address uh, it will address some of the service time manipulation that goes on, so that might influence Wit's timetable. But it's going to be very early on, and that's why among prospects who haven't debuted yet, Wit is the obvious first choice in fantasy drafts.
0: And that's exactly what the ADP is saying so far as well. Um, Bobby Witt currently, since December first, ninety-five point six is the ADP being drafted inside the top 100 picks. It's actually come down a little bit. I remember back in November, uh, it was inside the top 90, so it's it's fallen back a little bit here. And if you're wondering uh, where has the top prospect, really the top prospect for fantasy that season been drafted by ADP the past couple of years, Luis Robert was 81.7 heading into 2020. Vladimir Guerrero was 51.1 in 2019. Ronald Acuna was 100.5 back in 2018. So, this actually seems like a pretty fair price for the top prospect uh, this upcoming season in Bobby Witt. Scott, would you consider actually paying that price?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I've done it before in early mocks. It's, it's hard because he's a shortstop and yeah. it's easy to fill that position early. So you're, you're more often drafting him as a middle infielder or maybe even utility player. Uh, but I think the upside is worth it. I think the potential for him to contribute in all five categories, because particularly for the Royals, like, I feel confident saying Bobby Witt, at least early in his career, is going to be a base dealer. And um you know, you know obviously in 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 roto leagues, that's that's uh, that there's a strong attraction to that.
0: Yeah. The player comp that I have for him, Scott, it's it's a pretty lazy one. I feel like a lot of people have made this comp already for him. Yeah. But it is a Trevor Story. And I think just kind of looking at Trevor Story's career, what we saw this past season, I think that might be the low end. I mean, obviously, look, the floor for any prospect is, you know, they're out of the game. They're out of baseball in a couple of years, and they just flame out, and it doesn't work out. But... I think the low-end, realistic expectation for Bobby Witt is maybe what we saw from Trevor Story this year, 250 batting average, twenty twenty type bat. But the high end could actually be what Trevor Story was a couple of years ago, where he's hitting close to 300, 35 Uh, home runs, 20-plus deals. And
1: and doesn't need the help of Coors Field to do that. Exactly. Trevor Story probably does. No, I think that's that's the first place I go with by Bobby Witt as well. I, I actually went there, I think, in my top 100 last year. I had that in in writing that Trevor story comp before wit had the kind of year that he had. And obviously the comparison feels less, ex- it feels less uh, excessive now that he did put up those numbers, but you know, it's, it's worth pointing out because I feel like this is a touchy subject in fantasy circles, the the player comps for prospects. And I, mm-hmm. I just dropped an a rod <laughs> comp for a rod comp for j rod a few minutes ago and maybe people turned us off right then i don't know <laughs> please don't I, come back I, yeah it, but i mean even the even a trevor story comp may sound like too much for some people when you're talking about bobby whip i always aim high with my prospect comps because i to in my mind it goes without saying that a prospect just by Virtue of the term prospect, what that term means, is unlikely to live up to that comp. There's a percentage chance he does. Mm -hmm. So but but I I believe in an upside comp really is, is what I'm putting out there when I do comps. It's not it's not this fence straddling comp that in my mind doesn't tell you that much. Because you know, prospects are either going to be what we dream they can be, they're going to fizzle out or they're going to go have kind of an underwhelming career. And, and, and in my mind, the only one of those scenarios that you can really put specific terms on is the upside comp, the comp where they're everything you hope they're going to be. So I don't feel any shame in doing this. I, a lot of people like scoff at it mm-hmm. when you make these kinds of comps, but plus they're just more fun. Exactly, it's
0: it's fun. Like that's exactly it, and I think the main reason why I wanted to do player comps is I, I think it gives listeners and people watching us an opportunity to compare what this player can turn into fantasy wise. So that's mm-hmm. why I like to do these player comps. You know, look, there's a lot of people who they study these prospects inside and out. Like you know they they know they have an idea of what they think this player is going to become. There's a lot of people listening who. Maybe this is the first time they're hearing about these prospects, and they really just they want they want that idea and that and that comparison. So I agree with you overall. I just think it's fun. So for any you know hardcore fantasy listener out there who's like these are such ridiculous comps, I'm sorry, but we're trying to have fun. Number (laughs) three on the list. (laughs) Number three on the list here is Adley Rutschman. We've gone one, two, three. In, in your top 100, and they're all expected to have an impact this season. Your number three prospect, Adley Rutschman, catcher for the Baltimore Orioles, turning 24. I was surprised to see that he's turning 24 years old in February. Didn't know he was that old. But this past season, he hit 285, 23 homers, 90 strikeouts to 79 walks between AA and AAA. Really strong plate discipline here for Adley Rutschman. He played 43 games at AAA. I think a lot like Bobby Witt, there is a chance that, a legitimate chance that he is on the Orioles on opening day, and if not, soon thereafter. He hits a good amount of line drives and fly balls, which should play really well in Camden Yards and really the entire American League East. Hit and power tools are there, Scott, for Adley Rushman. And I would be willing to wager that he falls into this Salvador Perez bucket. I'm not saying he's ever going to lead the league in RBI or hit 48 home runs, But I think that there is a very strong possibility that he will DH for the Baltimore Orioles maybe even as soon as this season on his off days. Like he, you know, they need his bat in the lineup. Like that's how important Adley Rushman is going to be to the Baltimore Orioles. And maybe you figured this out while making your rankings, but there are a lot of catchers coming that I think we could also say that about. That they are, there's a lot of strong hitting catcher prospects that are on the way. And, you know, they might wind up getting a lot of DH at bats for their respective teams. So I would say the same exact thing for Adley Rushman. What do you think about him?
1: Yeah. I I mean, everything you read about this guy is that he's, um, one of the very best, most projectable catching prospects ever. So I, I'm not even sure in the modern, in the current game, looking at the current player pool, you could really make a comp, uh, You know, I I, I agree that it's unlikely he'll ever have a home run total like the one Salvador Perez just put up. I mean, Salvador Perez set a record for most home runs in a season by uh, a player who primarily plays catcher. So, um, you know, but Adley Rushman excels at the plate discipline. He's a switch hitter. Uh, His hit tool is perhaps even better or just as good as his power tool. He's excellent pitch framer great at working with pitchers a lot of leadership qualities like a true face of the franchise type that isn't going to be one of those catchers that only starts 60 percent of the time and there's not many you can predict that for that's why catchers seem to their value is deflated in dynasty leagues because uh, you know, if you're talking about real world prospect rankings, you don't worry as much about what this guy's playing time is going to look like. But in fantasy, of course you do. And the trend has been for more timeshares behind the plate. It's all it's always been a position where, you know, you rarely see a guy play every day, truly, because it takes such a toll on his body. But uh, it's not going to be an issue for Adley Rushman, who, of course, is a former number one overall pick. And um, you know, I don't know exactly what the numbers are going to look like, but it's hard to envision him not being at least a top five catcher, if not in his rookie season and sophomore season and beyond. And I think I think it's reasonable to project, just given the stature of catcher prospect that he is and how few flaws are present in his game, It's, it's not unreasonable to say he should have a multi-year run as the best catcher in fantasy.
0: Yeah, I was going to say exactly that. I, I think it wouldn't surprise me if within the next couple of years, we're talking about Rutschman as a top five-round player for fantasy baseball. I, I don't think that is... Um, I don't think that's far-fetched at all. The comp that I came up with... Now, I was... It was really tough because we just... We don't have a lot of... We don't have a lot of catchers like this, right? So, I thought of... Oakland, Josh Donaldson. Now hear me out. People might be, what? What are you talking about? Josh Donaldson actually came up as a catcher way back in the day. Uh, These numbers are what he put up as a third baseman, though, with the Oakland A's. And his first couple of seasons there, 301 batting average, 24 homers, 255 batting average, 29 home runs. I think if you just kind of blend those together, like, can we get a 280-plus batting average, high 20s, maybe 30-plus homer outcome for Adley Rutschman? Mm-hmm. I think it's very possible. So, that's my comp, Scott. Mm-hmm. Oakland Josh Donaldson. Okay. Yeah, I'd, the, I I maybe I can't. Maybe this is the hardest
1: one to come up with a comp for because there's just so few there are so few catchers of of that high stature really in 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 modern history, I mean. I'm not going to go with Mike Piazza cuz you know I already did it, Alex Rodriguez, <laughs> so I'm not going to do that. And I I I don't think you know, I don't think Adley Rushman's gonna hit three thirty year after year or anything like that, but kind of like I think he'll be more powerful than Buster Posey. I don't think he'll have as consistently high batting averages as him. I don't know. It's tough to come up with a comp for Adley Rushman. He is truly without comparison.
0: Yeah, he he's definitely is a unique prospect. I was gonna say, you know, maybe his high high end outcome is like just Josh Donaldson, <laughs> like, the, like Josh Donaldson's peak. I mean, we're yeah. talking about an MVP type player there, but uh, yeah, maybe prorated over however many games he plays, like 130. Uh, so yeah,
1: I, I kind of want to like something in between Buster Posey and Salvador Perez, except you can't truly like average their numbers because he's going to walk way more than Perez does. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's 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 tough to. Could come up with a good comp for Rushman.
0: Well, let's move on to number four, and I think it'll be a little bit easier to come up with a comp for this player. The number four prospect on your list and uh, the number four prospect overall, I, I mean, in terms of impact prospects this year, that is Spencer Torkelson, Tigers first baseman, third baseman. It looks like he's going to play first base, at least I think so. 22 years old, turns 23 in August, and this past season he hit 267, 30 homers with a 935 OPS across three levels. He transitioned from high A to double A to triple A in his first full season in the minors, 40 games at triple A. He has strong walk rates and between a 20 and 23% strikeout rate at each level of the minors. So that's a pretty strong contact rate for a quote unquote slugging type corner infielder lots of line drives, lots of fly balls as well, loud contact. I saw a video that the Welsh posted of Spencer Torkelson out in the AFL before he got hurt. I think he I think he like pulled his calf or something, but it's loud. The contact is loud for this gentleman. And Scott Steamer likes him right away. Steamer projections on Fangraphs, 259 batting average, 29 home runs projected in year 1 over 130 games. That's a lot.
1: Yeah, but he seems like a very projectable prospect. He's got the power, got the patience. Uh and, and yet he's you know, you you emphasize the guy's power, you emphasize his patience. There's kind of this underlying assumption that he's gonna be no good in batting average, but I don't think that's I don't think that's the case for Spencer Torkelson. The comp I'm tempted to use for him is Chris Bryant, but Chris Bryant has become kind of a divisive player in recent years. So the Chris, I'm referring to more early career Chris Bryant, where everybody loved him. <laughs> you know, where you could you could pencil him in, in for thirty to thirty five homers. You know, he might hit two seventy five, two eighty. Good OBP. Um, not necessarily a first round pick, but there were, I, I think there was one one or two years there where we did consider Chris Bryant kind of a fringe first round pick. Uh, that's what I'm thinking for Torkelson. I think, I think those kinds of numbers are in play for him.
0: All right. Yeah. The comp that I had was Paul Goldschmidt without the speed. So I think that's a pretty similar player, right? 280 plus 30 to 35 home runs, you know, maybe doesn't ever work his way into being a first round pick, but if he's given you that much power, with, you know, a commendable batting average, then yeah, I mean, he, he might turn out to be a, a a second or at least a third round pick for fantasy baseball purposes. What about his teammate, Riley Green? Your number five prospect and an outfielder for the Detroit Tigers. He is 21 years old and this past season hit 301, 24 homers, 16 Steals with a 921 OPS over 124 games between AA and AAA. He did get 40 games in at AAA. And I was looking at the roster resource page for the Tigers earlier. Center field is just there. It's there for the taking. I mean, they have Victor Reyes penciled in as the starting center fielder right now. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure it happens right out of the gate, but this is another one where I could see it happen pretty early for Riley Green. You know, maybe it's like a May call up or something. Tigers fans, you have a lot to like here. You've got Torque, you have Riley Green, just signed Javier Baez. Uh, there, there's a lot to like here. Overall, some power, some speed. Scott, I worry a little bit about the strikeouts for Riley Green. One thing that I noticed about the minor league numbers, he crushes lefties as a left-handed hitter. Love to see that. Absolutely love to see that. What do you think about Riley Green?
1: Yeah, there's the the trend right now seems to be to favor him over Spencer Torkelson, fantasy or otherwise. Which clearly I disagree with. You know, they're four and five in my top 100, so it's close. But I I think Torkelson. I don't see much downside with Torkelson. And in Green's case, you know, the 27% strikeout rate kind of scares me, especially since his hit tool is supposed to be his his best tool. You, you see, so, you know, you look at the scouting reports and there are some mentions of him being like a batting title contender. And that's, it's hard to imagine that being so if he's striking out 27% of the time. Plus his power ceiling is not on the level of Torkelson's. He might not be somebody who uh, who becomes like a 30-homer guy. He might be kind of like a speedier Brian Reynolds, you know? In fact, maybe that's the comp I want to use. I don't know. <laughs> um, so, yeah, a great prospect. Riley Green going to de- going to contribute at some point this year, maybe sooner than not. Uh, I, I may be a little lower on him than the consensus, though. All
0: right, the comp that I had for O'Reilly Green is a, a Randy Arosarena Scott, so I think somebody who has good plate discipline. I know Arosarena strikes out quite a bit, but he. He still does have a good feel for the plate. So I think based on the minor league numbers that I saw from Riley Green, the fact that he walks as much as he does still strikes out a lot. I think he has that feel, but maybe just has a hole in his swing. And, and, you know, maybe he overcomes that throughout the course of his career. But I was thinking of Randy Orozarena. What do you think?
1: You know, I'm not the biggest Orozarena guy. Yeah. So I think if we're talking an upside comparison, I don't love it. I don't love it. Now, if... (laughs) Riley Green came up and delivered Randy Arozarena numbers in 2022. I don't think anybody would be disappointed in that. But you know, if we're thinking about dynasty asset, what does the what could you dream about getting here from Riley Green? I would I would hope for more than that.
0: Yeah, I guess the hope would be he was a little bit harder to figure out. I was trying to find someone who like strikes out quite a bit but has some power and has some speed. Maybe he can get up to. Know, 25 homers, 25, 30 homers with 20 steals, something like that. But um, a good batting average, you know, like a 275. So, he, you know, he's kind of an interesting. Maybe, maybe Kyle Tucker, maybe Kyle Tucker, or someone like that. But Tucker makes a lot of contact, too. So, uh,
1: yeah, Riley, that, that wasn't always the case. That's true. I mean, that that's the thing. Like, it's it's easier for me to harp on Riley Green's strikeout rate. The scouting reports suggest that won't always be so. But, you know, again, I go back to these are prospects and we don't really know what path they're going to take and you're kind of weighing upside, downside, risk, reward and, and uh, that strikeout rate for Riley Green. Among all the prospects we've mentioned so far, that stands out as the biggest concern of mine.
0: All right, yeah. I will say this about Riley Green's impact this season, It would not shock me of the names that we've talked about thus far if Riley Green struggles the most right away. Something like how Jared Kelnick struggled when he came up. And Kelnick actually made more contact in the minors than Riley Green did. So just keep that in mind. And that was something that I thought about. And it would make sense that I expect him to struggle the most of the names we've talked about because he's ranked the lowest. He's he's ranked fifth. Everyone else is above him. Let's take a quick break. When we return, we'll talk about the prospect who Scott has already penciled in. To his team's rotation. Next, here, fantasy baseball today. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo, it's about the home. nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know all in one place. Homes.com, we've done your homework. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. All right, so let's jump in. your number 10 prospect now. So we jumped down a little bit. That means we uh, have skipped a few prospects now that uh, maybe not expecting to have a big impact this season. And again, you can find this list. It will be on the site at some point this weekend. So we're giving okay. you a little a little sneak
1: peek. Well, we skipped a bunch of shortstops. Spoiler <laughs> alert. Yeah. A lot of short... I think there are six shortstops in my top 10. Jeez. prospects overall
0: shortstop is loaded. Scott. I mean, not just yeah. from a redraft perspective, but dynasty leagues as well. I look, maybe not every shortstop stays at shortstop. You know, some guys can move off to third, they can move off to second base, you know, whatever some, you know, things happen obviously, but oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Sh- I, like as of now <laughs> prospects who are playing shortstop in the minors, there is a ton of talent. So, uh, yeah, I don't, we should probably talk.
1: We'll talk about that at some point. I have five shortstops in my top 10. So we'll talk about that at some be, point this offseason. Later,
0: just but in terms of like if you have a shortstop prospect do you maybe try to sell it off for another position that's not as plentiful? I don't know.
1: Nah, I don't I don't think so. It's my short answer. But yeah. but I will say in in the entire top 100 there are more shortstops than outfielders. So that that gives you some idea the kind of talent we're looking at at that position. As if it as if there wasn't, wasn't already enough there in the major league level. All
0: right, well, let's just hope, Scott, that some of those shortstops turn into outfielders and they can, yeah. they can uh, help us out there. Anyway, your number 10 prospect, that is Shane Boz. We saw a little, little bit of him at the end of the season there, starting pitcher with the Tampa Bay Rays, 22 years old, and he is the last piece of the Chris Archer trade, which we have already talked about for years. Tyler Glass now. Austin Meadows, and Shane Boz. I mean, this is going to go down as an all-timer. Like,
1: one of the worst it, trades. It already is an all-timer. It's That's so bad. Thing. Like, I, Shane Boz doesn't need to do anything oh, yeah. for it to be an all-time lopsided trade. And yet, he may turn out to be the most impactful of the of the pieces the Rays acquired.
0: <laughs> Which is just... it's. Insane. It is just insane. What did he do this past year? 17 starts in the minors. 206 ERA, a 0.80 whip, 113 strikeouts to 13 walks. Again, 113 to 13. That's his strikeout-to-walk ratio. Over 78 and two-thirds innings pitched in the minor leagues. He made three starts at the end of the season with the Tampa Bay Rays where he looked lights out. I think you know he only went two and two-thirds in one of those starts against the Yankees. He only made one start in the playoffs. Did not look great in that start, but it's a playoff, so whatever. I'm not really going to hold it against him. What we're looking at here, Scott, is that strikeout-to-walk ratio and the arsenal. It looks like he has three pitches ready to go off the jump. Four seamer averages 97 miles per hour. He's got the slider. He's got the curveball that both generate a ton of spin. There's just so much to like here.
1: Yeah, so much to like. But what really put him over the top last year was the jump in control, which I don't think many of us saw coming. His first two – let's see here. His first three minor league seasons, so obviously there's no 2020 data, but 2017 through 2019, 5.3 walks per nine, 5.0 walks per nine, 4.1 walks per nine. In the minors last year, Boz issued 1.5. Walks per nine. I mean, night and day in terms of avoiding walks and finding the strike zone. And uh and so when you have the kind of stuff he does, and, and by the way, the the Rays basically applied the same change to Boz that they applied to Tyler Glass now, where really emphasizing the power aspect of their arsenal when the pirates had both of them throwing a lot of sinkers instead four seamers and sliders to maximize the missing of bats, which is better suited for their skill set anyway. So they've kind of unlocked Boz's potential with that change, that arsenal change. And, uh, and, and, you know, if walks aren't going to be an issue for him, uh, there's just so much upside here. I mean, his fastball is a true 80 grade pitch. He can blow major league hitters away just with that before you even factor in the breaking balls. He's, he looks like he's gonna be he looks like he's gonna be amazing. My my biggest concern with Shane Boz is just that he pitches for the Rays and how carefully are they gonna handle him? Are they going to kinda of nerf his fantasy potential uh just just in their handling of him? I hope not, but they're an organization that tends to do that.
0: Yeah. So Steamer projects Shane Boz as of now, Scott, for twenty one starts, hundred and eighteen innings pitched would you take the over or under on those numbers? 21, 118?
1: I would take the over. Okay. I would take the over, but not by much. Maybe like 100, maybe I'd hope for like 130 innings. Uh, You know, maybe, uh, I don't know, 23, 24 starts, something like that.
0: All right, so he wound up between the minors and the majors this past season. He threw 92 innings, so... Yeah, I mean, a realistic jump, one, 130, 140. I think that's fair. I think that, that that's fair to project for, for Shane Boz here, Scott. Uh, the ADP, there's a lot of people that like Shane Boz and rightfully so. The ADP right now is 140.3. I'm going to put you on, on the clock here, Scotty. So I'm going to talk for a couple of seconds and let you pull up wow. your rankings in case you don't have them up. But would you rather have Shane Boz or Chris Bassett are going... Literally the same exact pick. Boz. Would you rather have Shane Boz or Framber Valdez?
1: Uh, I believe I have Boz ahead there, though that might depend points or Roto. Interesting.
0: All right, so we're getting closer. How about Shane Boz versus Nathan Avaldi?
1: Yeah, I think I would prefer Valdez in in points leagues because I have Boz just one spot ahead in Roto. Okay, Boz versus Ivaldi, definitely Boz.
0: Ooh, Boz versus Carlos Rodon? He's a, such a wild card.
1: Yeah, I do have Rodon ranked ahead, but that's highly subject to change. Mm. I kind of want to see what kind of deal Rodon gets this off season All right, whenever last whenever the offseason resumes.
0: Last one, I'll give you Shane Boz versus Pablo Lopez. Lopez. Oh, all right. So I don't you're not it doesn't seem like you're you're far off ADP right now. It seems like you're you're probably in that top thirty five ish, top forty starting pitcher range for 37 is 37. where I have Boz. There you go. All right. You know, sometimes I, uh, sometimes I'm, I'm good at this stuff. I can, there you go. Uh, The comp that I have, Scott, some people, they might hear this and say, well, ah, this isn't really a high end comp. What are you talking about? I have Zach Wheeler. Zach Wheeler is the comp for, for Shane Boss. I mean, it's what Zach Wheeler just did. He's now being drafted in the second, third round as a top six or seven starting pitcher for fantasy. I think if Shane Boss can get there, anybody would sign up for that.
1: Hmm. Yeah, of course. I mean, Sure. I kind of feel like maybe that's giving boss too much durability and not enough strikeout potential. Okay. But I'm struggling to come up with a comp of my own. I feel like pitchers are harder to comp because there's not a lot of distinction between pitchers (laughs) anymore. (laughs) They're all just kind of power arms. Uh, Hmm. Hmm. Hmm.
0: I was trying to find a pitcher who had a similar arsenal too. So you know, Wheeler throws hard. He has a couple of breaking balls. But I hear what you're saying about the uh, the durability. I don't. Yeah, I don't know that Boz is going to turn into a some kind of workhorse that's giving you 180, 200 plus innings.
1: Hmm. Right. It, will any pitcher certainly can't project that for any pitcher anymore. Even though some may end up doing it. I don't know. I don't know. I don't see a great comp. I know that's a cop-out, but <laughs> it's a, it's it's like... It's a comp-out, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, none, none of these look like... I, I don't know, maybe like Jack Flaherty's best season? Hey, I mean, that was... He
0: finished as a top 10 starting pitcher, I think, that year. Right. Two, top 12 right. starting I mean, pitcher. I'm doing
1: upside comps, though.
0: All hey, right. Uh, let's move on to our next prospect here. That is Josh Young, your number 13-ranked prospect, Texas Rangers third baseman and he turns 24 years old in February so the timetable is there this past season he hit 326 19 homers a 990 OPS in just 78 games between double a AA and AAA. he was dealing with an injury do you remember off the top of your head scout what that injury was for Josh Young
1: it was a broken foot
0: okay yeah so that's what limited him to 78 games this past season but in those 78 games he was pretty damn good I would say more so known for his hit tool than the power, but power really took off this past season. In, in I know it was like a shorter sample, but uh, yeah, the power was definitely there for him. Ton of line drives. And we we're talking about over 26% line drive rate at each level of the minors for Josh Young. So I think if nothing else, Scott, this guy is going to provide batting average and maybe grow into some power as well. Although it's looking like the Rangers park might not be the best for that. What do you think about Josh Young?
1: I love Josh Young. I think he might be of the prospects we've talked about who can make an impact this year. He might have the second biggest impact after Bobby Witt because he might have the the second best chance of making the opening day roster or be the second one of these prospects to arrive. And uh, yeah, he's 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 rocketed up the pro- prospect rankings the past couple of years. And a lot of credit to the Rangers here. They took him they took him eighth overall in 2019 and you know most of the prospect rank lists were didn't really treat him like an eighth overall pick but he had great plate discipline great bat to ball skills just not enough power the Rangers thought they could tap into that power more and over the past couple years Josh Young has uh taken to pulling the ball more elevating the ball more and the power has come without sacrificing those that great hit tool, that great approach at the plate that he had all along. So he looks like a special bat at this point, a middle of the order bat and um, should be up pretty early in the season. Yeah, I don't know how much the park is going to work against him, but I mean, the the exit velocities are, are real. He's just, he's just um, figured out a way to maximize their impact.
0: Something we haven't talked enough about yet is the impact that Marcus Semien and Car- Corey Seager are going to have on the rest of the Rangers lineup. We've talked a ton about those specific players, but ultimately they should help the names that are coming. You know, guys like Josh Young, if we could ever see Sam Huff make it for the Texas Rangers as well. But, you know, even Nathaniel Lowe, Nate Lowe, if he's hitting in the middle of that lineup, I you know, there's going to be more RBI opportunities there as well, so I think keep that in mind when it comes to projecting Josh Young for this year, but for years to come because we know Semyon and Seager are are signed for a bunch of years uh, there, and and totally should help his overall value. The comp that I came up with, Scott, and this this is going to sound low end, but I think it's it's more realistic than anything is Justin Turner. What we've seen from Turner the past couple of years, really strong batting average, two ninety plus, twenty five home runs. I think that there's a chance Josh Young could wind up hitting for more power where if he does, maybe what Austin Riley just did this past season, like that's a high-end outcome for Josh Young. Mm-hmm. But that's what I'm thinking for him.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's I think that's fine. Justin Turner, the percentages, there's nothing not to like about those over the years. It's So you say it's a low-end comparison. I mean, obviously, because of his age, he tends to sit a lot, and that's why his... Fantasy value gets suppressed, but definitely a productive hitter. Yeah, I think kind of some, some kind of averaging out of Alex Bregman, Anthony Rendon, Justin Turner. I think that's in the right ballpark when you're talking about an upside comp for Josh Young. And you know maybe maybe if you wanted to downgrade that comp a little. Uh, because the batting averages are so high for all of them, although I mean Josh Young has a great hit tool. Hmm, I don't know. I thought I had a good name here, but I don't. Something like that. Yeah. Something. <laughs> something it, it's the same. It's the same kind of phenotype of player where not going to strike out much, going to get on base a lot. How much power is it going to be? Well, it's going to be some, but we don't know. You know, if it's going to manifest closer to twenty or closer to thirty home runs a year.
0: Well, you like him a lot, Scott. That you've made that clear at this point. Yeah, I've yeah. I've got him in the Scott White Dynasty
1: League, so I send know. your I, offers. I tried, to, I tried <sighs> to get him from you. Send your
0: offers. Let's see what we got. Uh, let's see. I look. I need all the help that I could get. We've got three more prospects to talk about, Scott, and about ten minutes left, so let's do it. O'Neill Cruz, your number sixteen prospect, a six foot seven shortstop for the Pittsburgh Pirates. He is twenty three <laughs> years old. This past season, he hit three ten. 17 homers, 19 steals with a 970 OPS over 68 games between A AA and A. Only played six games at AAA, but interestingly enough, he made it to the Pirates by the end of the season. I found it odd that they promoted both him and Ronzi Contreras towards the end of the year. It was, yeah. just, it was just weird timing that it happened, but... That, that happened. You know, those guys were promoted towards the end. He actually homered in one of those games. He hit his first major league home run off of Michael Givens. I watched it earlier tonight. Came on an 0 2 pitch, a changeup down out of the zone. It was pretty impressive. Pretty impressive to to notice that changeup, obviously, on an 0 2 count. So, uh, just a little sneak peek there of what we might be able to see from O'Neill Cruz. Scott, good luck coming up with a comp for this guy.
1: He <laughs> yeah, is. He's is beyond So
0: guns. interesting to project. He's so big. The plate discipline has kind of been all over the place in his minor league career. The batted ball data has kind of been all over the place in his career. Though I will say he started off hitting a lot of ground balls and you know, he's he's lowered that the the, the past couple of seasons, but Good luck, Scotty. What are we getting from O'Neal
1: Cruz? Yeah. So he's he's a, he's a prospect I've liked in the past, and you know, maybe more than maybe more than the average one did, and I, I wish I had invested in him harder because I kind of felt like I was on an island there. Again, thinking in terms of the upside comp, it was easy to see the downside. Six foot seven. Okay, he's obviously not going to stick stick at shortstop. He's obviously going to have holes in his swing and strike out too much. But if he was able to overcome all of that with that kind of leverage, he could produce massive power numbers. Well, the power came to fruition, and so far, the size hasn't hurt him, really. Uh, the strikeouts have gone up as he's climbed the minor league ladder, but not to a point that is really going to hold him back. And uh, he's managed to stick a shortstop for now. Still be surprised if that was the case for very long, but who knows. So uh, big power bat. I'm going to bet against him staying at shortstop. I'm going to bet there are some strikeout issues, but not enough to sink him. And I'm going to give you a comp. Uh, I don't like the names coming to mind because they just seem too far-fetched.
0: Um, I think I actually have a good one, Scott. Okay, go ahead. Javier Baez. Okay. It's hard, yeah. it's hard to <laughs> compare them because they're such different size human beings. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think there could be some strikeouts. There's going to be power. I, I think more than anything, there's going to be power. There could be some yeah. speed. I think double-digit s- steals are possible for him. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, even despite the strikeouts, we, we've seen some good batting average seasons out of Javier Baez, you know, 270, 280. I think on a high end, you know, that, that's what O'Neill Cruz can maybe turn into.
1: Yeah, I see where you're going with that, and he might he might give you some of that some some similar steals output there, eventually. But I I think his power ceiling's higher than Baez's, so I don't know. I don't want to say. Oh, let me pull up my rankings here to come up with a good upside comp. I don't think I can in the middle infield, but just among all hitters. I don't know. Like, I don't want to say Giancarlo Stanton because Giancarlo Stanton has a history of being drafted in the first round, but kind of who Giancarlo Stanton is now, where you feel like you can get 35, 40 homers from him. That might, you know, I'm thinking closer to like a 260 batting average or something though for Cruz. I don't know. I'm struggling to come up with a comp here.
0: All right. So maybe Javier Baez with a, a little bit more power, or a you know John Car- John Carlos Stanton now with uh, a little bit of speed. When it comes to yeah. O'Neal Cruz, your number twenty two prospect that is Alec Thomas, an outfielder for the Arizona Diamondbacks. He turns twenty two years old in April, and this past season he hit 313, 18 homers, thirteen steals, a nine fifty three OPS over one hundred and six games between Double A AA and AAA. He's known for his hit and speed more than anything, but he showed off some of that pop, man. 18 homers in 106 games. I mean, that OPS is very strong as well. Strong line drive rate. He hits a lot of ground balls. So I, I do wonder, you know, what the long term power output could be for an Alec Thomas. And I think, you know, the lazy comp that just comes to mind for me right off the bat is, is Whit Merrifield.
1: Yeah, probably too many steals, but. You know, otherwise, I, I think it's I think it's pretty good. I think Alec Thomas will be line drive over fly ball, with, like what with Maryfield is, and you know he had big power output this past year in the minors. His, his minor league numbers look awesome, but particularly that stint at AAA, it was largely influenced by the environment, and doesn't seem like most evaluators are giving him much of a chance of being a real power threat. Alec Thomas. Historically, I've liked to bet the over on prospects the over for power on prospects who just seem to have a nice well-rounded skill set. And, and you know, power seemed like it was the easiest skill to cultivate at the major league level. And so betting the over on those guys in, in terms of home run output has historically gone well for me but I don't know how much that's changing with the new ball and some of the changes we saw uh, at the major league level last year if power is going to be as easy to cultivate at the major league level anymore so let's see good comp for Alec Thomas Mm, I'm sorry I don't have these ready to go even though you texted me beforehand (laughs) I thought they'd come to me easier yeah, I don't, I don't love the Whit Merrifield one because of the speed thing, but I don't want to overestimate the power either. So I'm going to say, I think Starling Marte could happen too, Scott. I mean, not Starling
0: Marte from last year who stole 47 bases, but I mean, there was years, there were years where Marte was a good batting average, 20 homers, 30 steals, like that was the projectable Starling Marte. And I, mm-hmm. I think Alec Thomas could get there too. Like, he has a fifty grade power. He he he's not expected to be a zero in power. So like that, that could progress like you're talking about. So mm-hmm. I don't think twenty homers is out of the question at Alec Thomas's peak.
1: Yeah, no, I don't think so either. And I don't think twenty five necessarily is. It's just I I think. I think maybe I think there's a chance he's maybe a little undervalued in fantasy circles. I think mm. uh, because there's skepticism over the power. Maybe like a more patient Tim Anderson.
0: Okay, so like a a 2020 type guy,
1: but with more walks. Yeah, potentially. I don't know. It's not a great comparison. <laughs> I, don't, I don't see a great comparison. All right, uh, let's wrap
0: up the impact prospects here for 2022 with. Nick Prado of the Kansas City Royals, a first-base prospect, number 39 on your top 100. He's 23 years old, and this past season hit 265 with 36 home runs, 12 steals, a 988 OPS over 124 games. He did get 63 of those in at AAA, and the Royals are another team, just like your Tigers. The American League Central, I mean, all right, it's coming. It's up and coming here, but the Royals have... They have him. They have uh, Vinny Pasquantino. They have MJ Melendez. So a lot of offense coming. And of course, Bobby Witt, right? Like there's so many uh, strong hitting prospects coming for the Kansas City Royals. Uh, And just getting back to Nick Prado, pretty underwhelming in the minors earlier on in his uh, career, Scott. But 2021 just that's an
1: understatement
0: just really broke out this past year. Scott, he walks a lot. He strikes out a lot. He's kind of a unicorn where like he has these three true outcomes but maybe can chip in double digit steals. So
1: I yeah, very athletic for first yeah. baseman in fact with Pasquantino coming through the system I know Chris Welsh is hoping Pratt winds up in the outfield. He's such a good defender at first base that I kind of be surprised but you know that, that that's kind of the path Cody Bellinger has taken so I guess I guess there's a precedent for it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the, the Royals, there's a great article about this in the athletic about how they, um, during the, during the, 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 the shutdown in 2020, um, they decided they needed to invest a lot more in their hitter development and totally overhauled that side of their, um, their their player development department. And we saw these huge gains from prospects like Prado and MJ Melendez and Michael Massey, a second baseman who's completely off the radar in fantasy, but who I like a lot. And uh, basically, I, I know there were swing changes for Prado and there were approach changes and he looks like a patient hitter with a ton of power now. Still a lot of strikeouts, and he had stretches last year where his batting average sank to some kind of concerning levels uh, and ended up at 265, which is fine. But uh, definitely on the right track now. Definitely looks like he's going to be a fantasy asset. Could provide some speed, like you say. But it's it's mainly the power that that's most enticing for Nick Prado. And... Let's see. What's a good comp for him? I think you already
0: mentioned it, Scott. I think the high-end comp for him could, could be a Cody Bellinger-type outcome.
1: Uh, well, I mean, I guess it depends what version of Cody Bellinger you're talking about. League MVP Bellinger? No, that's too high. Maybe like a Matt Olson. Matt Olsen with a handful of steals? Yeah.
0: <laughs> you know, the, yeah. the one that I came up with, Scott, was early career Mark Reynolds. People might not remember Mark Reynolds used to run, man. I'm looking at his 2009 season: 260 batting average, 44 homers, 24 steals. He did that with a 33% strikeout rate. Yeah. So I think yeah. we could wind up with a three true outcome, big power. You know, maybe chips in some steals, which again would just be so unique if if he sticks at first base. I don't know if it's going to happen. The Royals just have so many names there with Pasquantino what are they going to do with MJ Melendez and Salvador Perez? I mean, it's a good problem to have, but sooner or later they're, they're going to have to figure this thing out. So, um, yeah, I'm thinking more about this Mark Reynolds thing, Scott. That was the first year I played fantasy baseball, 2009. <laughs> I remember because it's the year I graduated high school yeah. and I drafted him everywhere. The next year, Scott, I loved it. I, you know, the diamondbacks, for some reason, they were my national league team. I, I was, I was very excited about Justin Upton at the time and Chris young, all these guys coming up together and mm-hmm. I drafted Mark Reynolds everywhere the next year. He hit 198.
1: Yeah. <laughs> no I, I was already writing for CBS that year. And, oh, uh, man. Pretty sure. Did you have Mark Reynolds? Pretty sure he was among my bust candidates oh! <laughs> coming off that season. Why didn't I read Scott White? As- he was, he was much more <laughs> of an outlier for strikeouts back in those days. Oh, yeah. You know, 3% strikeout rate isn't so rare anymore. I mean, it's still really high, but... Uh, Yeah, hopefully Prado doesn't strike out that much. I guess it's possible.
0: All right, Scott, we're going to wrap it up here. Uh, Of course, we went a a little bit long here, but whatever, man. It's prospects. Everyone wants to hear about the prospects. Which prospect do you think makes the biggest impact outside of Bobby Witt? You already mentioned one of the names. Are you sticking
1: with it? Josh Young? I mean, it it depends on exactly how early Julio Rodriguez gets called up, but Mm -hmm. in terms of how I'm drafting for this year, yeah, I think Josh Young is... The second most likely I am I, I'm I'm I I am to be invested in.
0: Yeah. And I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Shane Boz out of this category as well because sure.
1: you know, he's, he's already here. He's already and,
0: and I think a yeah. lot of people, you know, we expect a, a good amount out of Shane Boz. I'm gonna go with Adley Rutschman, but uh, I think a dark horse candidate, one that we didn't get to, but a name. Write him down. Don't forget about him. Jose Miranda with the Minnesota Twins. I think there's a chance Mm. he could break camp with the team as well and just had a ridiculous season in the minors. Can he keep it up? Can he do it at the major league level? Uh, That remains to be seen, but he was awesome this past year. I've done two drafts so far, Scott. I have wound up with Josh Young in one, Jose Miranda in the other. So those are some of the prospects that I'll be targeting. And a few other names just to... Remember for midseason, throw them on the scout team. These are the highest-ranked prospects on Scott's top 100 that are midseason hopefuls. C.J. Abrams with the Padres, Grayson Rodriguez with the Orioles, Tristan Casas with the Red Sox, Brennan Davis with the Cubs, Nolan Gorman with the Cardinals, George Kirby with the Mariners, and Gabriel Moreno, another one of those catchers, coming with the Toronto Blue Jays. We're going to wrap there. For Scott, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball Today. We'll be back again on, when will that be? Monday. Bye-bye.